Today we are doing another episode of the Ask the Coaches podcast. So these questions came in from questions on social media or people who sent in either direct messages or emails asking specific questions that they would like to have answered on the podcast. So we're going to go over what the four questions are, and then we will answer them in detail. So if there's one you really want to listen to, you can go and skip ahead to that question. The first question is, do I need to make up for a missed workout? This is a pretty common question with runners. And, you know, the answer is obviously that it depends, but we're going to do a deep dive into why sometimes there might be a workout that you missed that you do want to make up later. And so it's all about like reprioritizing your training plan. And that's why we like to say training plans are not set in stone. So of course, you're not going to get up and do two back to back workout days, but we're going to talk about some ways that you might reorganize your training to prioritize the key workouts that you potentially maybe missed. The second question is, what should I do if my calf is tight and it hurts when I run or put hot or cold on it? So this is a pretty specific question that came in. Um, Anytime we have someone who is asking injury-related questions, we definitely recommend that you go see a medical professional and get it checked out because it could be signs of an imbalance or other injuries that are going on within the body and that's out of our scope as coaches and so it's really important to get that checked out but we will talk about some different um, doctors you can go see and also kind of what you should do, right? Um, How do you know? Because sometimes people will say, oh, uh, you know, my calf is like tight when I'm running, but it's not necessarily like preventing them from running. So Mm -hmm. where should you go if it's not, you know, a chronic emergency type injury? And what would that process potentially look like? Because sometimes people are afraid to go in to see someone for something um, when they're still able to run, but it's just some discomfort. And they're afraid that the doctor might say, oh, just don't run at all or stop running if something hurts. So we'll talk about our personal experiences, going to see people who specialize in running related injuries or PTs where you can kind of work through some of these more minor um, muscle soft tissue type situations. Question number three is about stretching. Uh, This individual wanted to know if there is an ideal window of time that we should stretch during. So we'll talk about different types of stretching. There's dynamic stretching and static stretching. A lot of the times people, when they're talking about stretching, they're talking about doing those longer holds for the stretches. Um, There are a few different times that you might utilize that type of stretching and why it could potentially be important for runners. Um, But we'll talk about those different types of stretches. Question number four is, what should my stride look like on an easy run day? I feel like I am just shuffling along with terrible form. Um, I try to think about lifting my knees. So this is a really good question. I think this can be often a barrier to easy running for a lot of people because the stride is going to feel incredibly different. But what I think would be interesting for a lot of people who are saying that they feel like the stride is different to actually get a video of yourself 
Um, because what I find is that while the stride feels incredibly different, potentially you might think it feels unnatural, you might feel like it's a shuffle. Um, oftentimes if you actually get video footage of what you look like, it's probably not the same as what it feels like you look like. So your stride probably looks pretty good actually in a video format when you are going at those slower paces. Is it gonna look different than what a stride looks like running full speed? Absolutely, but I think it is good to do a deep dive into what does easy running really look like. And I think on social media last fall, we did a reel where Jason actually videoed me running with a friend and we were going about a 10 minute pace. So that's about two and a half minutes per mile slower than my marathon pace. And we just said, we wanna normalize what easy running looks like because oftentimes on social media, you see people posting these like video clips and it looks great, they look like really strong and fit and they're running but the problem is that they're running really really fast in these videos it's like they're either sprinting or doing a really fast interval rep and while that's really good for pictures and it looks really cool and it's probably going to get a lot of attention because like you're going really fast and it looks really good it's not the reality of what easy running looks like at all and nor should that be like your normal running form so i think we could all google search like running online and see different stride poses of people running at those faster paces but when you're doing an easy run it looks a lot more relaxed so i like to think of it more as a jog but we'll go into that question in more detail when we get to it at the end of the podcast. So kicking things off with, do I need to make up a missed workout? So this is kind of a loaded question. Um, as always, it depends, right? So there's a lot of reasons why an individual might miss a workout. One reason could be they simply like ran out of time or like something came up, right? So let's say you have a kid, you had to um, maybe stay home with them because they were sick. So it wasn't that there was anything wrong with you. Um, you feel really good. You got enough sleep. You're not sick. Um, you, you're not like too busy to do your run. You're not super stressed. None of those things. You're not injured. It's just like something came up that was maybe out of your control um, or maybe like there was a tornado or something or like a, a weather emergency, just something out of your control came up that you didn't foresee happening. In that case, if you are able to the next day potentially do your workout, I think that's like a good, reasonable thing to do. If you can do it two days later, we might just shuffle a few things, right? So if you can do it one or two days later, what that'll end up doing is having like a ripple effect with all of your other training. So you might need to shift a few other things depending on when your next workout is, when your next long run is. So um, in that case, I do think, yeah, we could do the workout if it's just a one to two day where you had to have this unforeseen thing happen. But we also want to like evaluate what is, what is that next workout? Because if it's going to really impact the next workout or two we almost want to see you know is it worth it right so let's say you had this 10 mile workout in the middle of the week um that was like mile repeats or something and then 
two or three days later, we had you doing your peak 20 mile long run for marathon training. In that case, it's it's a little bit more challenging because that 20 miler might actually be like the most important piece there. And we so we might cut down the mileage of the mile repeats because if you're gonna have a workout day and a long run that close together, because if you shift everything down, it can get a little dicey. So you might have to make some adjustments like depending on what comes next, but always just looking ahead and seeing, are there other ways that we can adjust this? Like, can we move the 20 miler down a week? Could we potentially do the 20 miler during the week? Like, what does your schedule look like? And everyone's gonna have different flexibility with what they can do with their workouts. So some people have very, very flexible schedules, work lives, and they could, you know, do the 20 miler on a Tuesday or something like that. But um, it's gonna be more on a case by case basis. So that's if something like um, unforeseen comes up that isn't affecting your health. If, for example, this is what's a lot more common, um, someone gets sick or they feel like they're getting sick or they had a terrible night of sleep, um, something really, really stressful is going on, a loved one dies, someone gets diagnosed with cancer, things that are increasing your stress load and or you're sick and or you're injured that's a different category, right? So this is affecting your stress and workout days are stressful already. And so we want to make sure we're being able to balance that stress appropriately. And so again, it's almost on a case by case basis as to what was the stressor, what's going on. And are you going to be able to recover from it? Does it make sense to be able to do this workout? So Maybe if you just got some really tough news, like, oh, you're gonna go through a divorce or something like that. Um, For some people, running could be a really good outlet as long as they're still eating well and being able to get good sleep, that sort of thing. Then I'd say maybe let's proceed and try to do the workout. Um, If if it's something more like they, they're getting sick, right? We definitely wanna just skip the workout. We're not probably going to try to make it up unless it is a very key workout for the training cycle, like a 20 miler. But then again, it also depends on what how your recovery trajectory starts to go. If it's a very minor cold, hey, maybe we could do it the following weekend. But really, we don't know the timeline on a lot of these things, such as flare-ups or um, when we get sick, we don't know how long it's going to last. And oftentimes, when we rush back into things, that's when we actually dig ourselves into a deeper hole. So it's almost better to just completely axe it than it is to try to make up for missed time because you don't want to dig yourself into a deeper hole when you're already stressed, sick, any of those things. Yeah, you did a great job, you know, categorizing the reasons why athletes miss miss workouts, right? And so, um, you know, with that first example, I think, you know, as a coach, I've learned to, you know, purpose be purposeful with, with my planning and so building in and off recovery in between so that a minor change like shifting a workout just by one day, that shouldn't have a huge ripple effect on their future training. Um, but for those other examples, like you mentioned, you know, it really is a case by case basis. And for some, they're going to bounce right back. And for others, it's going to take some time. And so 
a good rule of thumb, you know, I've, I've done is always um, allow them to progress back with one to two easy runs and make sure that they're continuing to feel better or, you know, they're on the right track. Or if it was an injury, make sure that it doesn't flare up before you start to add in, um, you know, something of higher volume or intensity. And so, um, yeah, I've had, you know, this is something I feel like we do a lot as coaches, especially with the athletes we work one-on-one with. It's a lot of adjustments as things come up because it's, it's difficult to stick to a plan, you know, hundred percent. And so you're going to have things that sort of, um, they, they feel like setbacks at the time, but really it's all about how you recover from them and how you over, overcome them and get back on track. That that's the most important part. And so, like you said, not overdoing it because you don't want that setback to continue and be, um, long lasting. So definitely whatever can aid you to getting back on track faster is usually the best route. And chances are, if we're adding stress on top of an already stressful situation, it's actually going to be more of a setback. So you just want to think like, how can I get myself almost like back on track? And maybe do I even need to do less in the upcoming weeks? Because if you find that you're in this cycle of missing workouts week after week, I mean, I have this happen um, with athletes all the time, right? We go through different seasons of life and sometimes people are just like, yeah, this is, it's just too much. Like maybe you were able to do it two years ago, one year ago, three years ago, six years ago, whatever. But all of a sudden things change. Maybe your work situation changed. Loved one is going through having health issues and you're having to take care of them. Um, Maybe you added another child to your family and you just didn't expect that there was going to be more on your plate. And so now um, what your schedule allows for realistically is maybe, you know, 20 miles a week versus you're used to doing 30, 35. And so as a coach, I really like to look at these patterns. So if it's like you're missing workouts frequently, let's just scale back. I would rather have only 20 miles on the schedule and you hit, um, all of those runs, than you seeing 35 miles on the schedule, with, you know, two workout days and you're always feeling overwhelmed, you're constantly missing. So missing workouts frequently to me as a coach is typically a sign, hey, like maybe we need to tone things down a hair and make sure things are like sustainable because no one wants to be in that situation where they're missing workouts frequently um, because it it just feels really overwhelming. And I personally have had training plans where like I cannot do the workouts as quickly as they're coming up and everyone's different, right? So there could be a training plan out there that's three workouts a week and you know, like here, do these. And I just couldn't recover fast enough from those workouts. So you really have to know your body. Sometimes people can get away with two days of recovery in between workout days, but you might be someone like me who needs more like three to four days in between hard workout days. And that's totally fine. Um, and these things might change as you age, as your life situation changes. So just making sure you're checking in with yourself. And then another reason that people will miss a workout, um, this is something that I just thought of, is that sometimes you're in the middle of a workout or you know it's like 80 degrees and you are like, oh, I'm gonna attempt the workout anyways, mm-hmm. and the workout just heads south real fast or mm-hmm. you don't like your paces or something along those lines of you're in the middle of the workout or you just start it and you realize like this is just not happening. And so a lot of people will be like, should I make up this workout? Typically my answer is going to be no, you shouldn't because you already gave it an attempt. So if you have gone through the whole series of waking up, looking at the weather, um, putting all your stuff on, going out, maybe doing the first couple of reps, 
I think that's that's enough, right? And so you've made the decision that, hey, like I need to not, for whatever reason, finish this workout. Um, I don't think it is wise to then the next day or two days later, try to make it up. I think you made the right decision in the moment to call it and mm-hmm. for whatever reason that was, um, I think sometimes it's our body, it's it's telling us, hey, this is too stressful. I, I need to cut it for now so that I can be ready for my next workout or whatever it may be. So typically in those cases, I do not have people make it up. Um, Again, if it's a repeat thing, so if I am working with someone who almost every workout they're cutting or every long run they're not able to finish, that's when we really start having a conversation of, hey, maybe let's reassess your paces, let's reassess the workload because to me it can be an indication if someone is consistently unable to finish workouts, consistently struggling to hit the mileage, that sort of thing, um, it's probably a sign that we're not training at the appropriate level. So maybe we need to scale things back, maybe we need to slow things down, um, which are conversations that usually people don't like to hear, but I think it can help people be set up more for success. Yeah, that's another good one that I'm glad you came up with that because that does happen. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people, you know, they usually make the right call in that situation and then they want to kind of force it and try to make up for it. But really, um, you just have to listen to your body and sometimes you're going to benefit more from just resting, kind of taking the L on that one and moving on to the next one, right? And and then lastly, to wrap this up, you know, sometimes we want to force these workouts because we have our race coming up. And so this is a good um, reminder that you could either, you know, either adjust your goals if you're not able to get the workouts in that you wanted, or you can always postpone the race, maybe find something a few mm-hmm. weeks later to allow you some more time to build that fitness, depending on, you know, if the race is a big race or not, if it's something easily that you could, you know, withdraw from. Yeah, that's a really good call. And sometimes, yeah, you just need to take the L. I think it was like a year and a half ago now, um, or a year ago, I did like a 5K, and it just was like the worst five. Like I, I think I've had a couple of 5Ks where it's just like, wow, that was terrible, right? Like in my running history, um, and it just it it leaves you kind of baffled because you're like, why did that go so poorly? It's completely not an indication of my fitness, and you know sometimes it's like if it's not an A race, you don't really necessarily need to like go after it and and make it up. I mean. Sometimes maybe you want to, but no, you don't necessarily have to like redo it. Sometimes it's just like better to move on and kind of reassess and build up for something new. And that's what I ended up doing. I took, you know, a down month and then I'm like, all right, time to build up for a marathon. And then a couple months later, no, it would be six months later. (laughs) That's when I had like my breakthrough in the marathon. And so I think if I would have spent that next month trying to like run a faster 5k, I think it actually would have set me back. So sometimes it's really important to reassess like what are your long-term goals and is this going to be in alignment with them? So the second question is what should I do if my calf is tight and it hurts to run or put hot or cold on it? So oftentimes Um, as someone who owns a run coaching business or who has a social media account with a lot of followers in the running space, I do actually get quite a few messages that are pretty specific to like running injury related type things. This question kind of falls in alignment with that. Um, Having tight calves could be so many different things, right? And being someone on the internet, I have no idea, right? Like there's no way that I can assess you. Even if I was someone who had that education, I wouldn't be able to assess you online, but I'm not, right? So run coaches, any run coach, unless you are specifically a doctor, PT, um, that sort of thing, 
you're not really qualified to answer those questions. So anytime, like even have an athlete that has something flare up, the number one thing that we're going to say is, Hey, make sure you're getting in, going to see a PT right away because there's a number of reasons, right? It's out of our scope of practice. And it's really important that you go in and see someone that can assess you in person and has the education to help you get back on track. So for this case, um, and then I think there are a lot of reasons why people do reach out to people online. I think some people are afraid. I think there's like a stigma out there that some doctors, which may or may not be true, some doctors might tell you, hey, just stop running, right? And they don't really get to the root cause. Um, That's what I've heard people say. I'm scared to go to the doctor because they're gonna tell me stop running and I'm still able to kind of run right now. What I would say is do a little bit more research before you go to the doctor. Find someone in your area that specializes in sports, in running, if possible. Like we're really lucky to live in a big metropolitan area. So we can do like a quick, you know, Google search and get a lot of PTs or sports doctors in our area. But I think that's like a key thing, right? Just heading into like a typical urgent care and seeing like a family practice doctor probably not going to be a wise call for something like oh my calf is tight when I'm running right um it's good to go in if like it's a drastic like oh my gosh I think I have a stress fracture yeah go in right away you can go to probably ER imaging whatever that is the thing but if, if you just have a like something oh like my glutes been really tight lately, that sort of thing. I think going in to just see a PT, a lot of PTs, and then a lot of people are worried about insurance. And we live in America where it's like, yeah, I get it. Like you might have a family deductible plan that's like $10,000 and you're like, is it really worth it for me to go in and and see a PT? Um, There are a lot of different options typically when it comes to those PTs. So you could get a referral Um, if your insurance needs that, right? So maybe just telling your family doctor, hey, can you throw me a referral to someone? Most doctors are gonna be able to give you that referral right away. Like even just with like a message through a portal, just being like, hey, I have this calf thing, I'm a runner. Can you refer me to a PT? And you might not even have to go in office to get that referral. Um, You could potentially just do that through either leaving them a voicemail or, you know, messaging. It really just depends on, you know, the doctor, how well they know you and maybe like what their uh, general practice is. And then once you do get a referral, it's typically depending, it's covered by most insurances. But again, you know, if you're on a high deductible plan, it might not be. But I will say, I think it's worth it, right? So a lot of people will say, oh, it's so expensive. I don't want to go in. But going to see a PT, even if you have to end up paying that bill out of pocket, I mean, Jason, you've gone to see a lot of PTs. Like what sort of, I mean, price point are we typically talking? And it it varies, right? Some people let you pay out of pocket. I think the cheapest I've ever seen for a PT visit, paying out of pocket was like 50 bucks. Yeah. But it could probably be upwards of like, to huh? yeah. 150 well yeah depends. i think it'll depend on the practice right and what sort of treatment um options they're giving you so i've yeah we've we've gotten art sh- sessions that's just like assisted stretching that's about 50 bucks another place i'm thinking of is was 80 dollars. so it's usually between 50 and 100 dollars. the places that will offer like um paying out of pocket so you might be surprised they may even have two options so it, it never hurts to ask um but i liked how you talked about you know obviously you know, the longer you run, you're going to probably reach a, a point where you're going to want to establish a relationship with 
some sort of PT or um, chiropractor, someone that knows how to help work with runners, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can ask around, you can do the research, that sort of thing. But you definitely want someone that understands these running uh, related injuries because these are overuse injuries. You know, the calf takes on a, a ton of the load. And so it's a really important muscle. And I've seen such a degree of, um, you know, when people tell me that their calf hurts, I've seen such a wide range of like recovery rates, mm -hmm. right? Some people, it's just like a day or two and they're, they're back. They're not even missing a workout. And I'm like a little hesitant, like, gosh, should I even have them do this workout in five days? That sort of thing. Because of my own history is different. Right. My own history was, um, I, I have a calf strain. It sets me back for a couple of weeks. I have to slowly work back. And if I'm not careful, it might flare up again. And so, and then there's everyone in between, right? So there's some people, it just takes like a week or two. It depends on if it tightens up to the point where you can't run on it. Or in this case, it sounds like this person can run on it. It just hurts, right? And so um, does it loosen up after time? That's a good sign if it does. But the, the degree of tightness is really key. Um, and then when, when you do make an appointment with a PT or whoever you're going to see, make sure that it's someone that is giving you not only treatment, so they're either manipulating the muscle somehow with like mm. either their hands or dry needling or Graston or whatever, right? There's so many techniques out there. But then they're also giving you some uh, exercises or prevention techniques to do so that you can, you know, not go see them very often. And so right. you need to make sure that they, they have a good understanding of that. And so a lot of places are going to have you do single leg, um, you know, calf raises, that sort of thing. And I do have a whole list of things that I've done over the years. So if this person wants to reach out to me directly, I'd be happy to share um, but typically, you know, you want to make sure before you start running again, that you can at least perform, um, you know, single leg hops without, mm. without a tightening up on you and a few sets of single leg, um, heel raises. And the other thing too, is the calf, it's got the, the soleus and the gastroc. So depending on what part is tight and sore, um, you might be, you might wanting to be do more, or you might want to be doing more single leg or, um, bent leg, um, heel drops as opposed to straight leg, right? Because one of them is going to target the soleus, the other is going to target the gastroc. So um, again, this is why it's good to go in and, and get a diagnosis. Yeah, definitely good to go in and get diagnosed because with, with any injury, it could be any, any possible number of things. It could be something very minor. It could be something very major. Um, and we definitely don't want to be running on something that is going to make the issue worse and so i think the, the sooner you can get a diagnosis the better because then you're going to be on that route to recovery even if it is something minor like you were saying it is good to still get the treatment so that you can stop running through discomfort or having that discomfort because any sort of discomfort um, in an isolated area like that is definitely not normal and so we want to make sure we're getting it addressed and taken care of so third question is stretching is there an ideal window of time where we should be stretching. So when it comes to holding stretches for an extended period of time, right? It, it, is that static stretching? Static. Yep. Yeah, static stretching. Um, it That is going to be best performed when muscles are a little bit warmer or you have a little bit more chance to kind of get into that, that space of allowing more time for the muscles to get warmer. So maybe that means you're gonna be doing a little bit more mobility work right before. So if you aren't doing your stretching immediately after a run, let's say you wanna do it before you go to bed, right? And you run in the morning, maybe you wanna stretch at night. Um, I would just give yourself a little bit more time to get into those stretches and maybe um, holding them for a little bit longer. So whenever I'm going to like a yin yoga class where people are holding stretches for multiple minutes at a time, um, typically, you're doing that without 
an aggressive warm up. So it is something that you can do when your muscles are cold, but just know that it is going to be harder to get into a deeper stretch. So you might actually have to hold the stretch for longer to get that same range of motion. But if you were to stretch immediately after a run when your muscles are warm and all of those good things, you might actually get a deeper stretch because things are pretty warmed up. Or if you are going to do some stretching after mobility work or some sort of um, even like going on a walk, right? The muscles are warmer. It might be a little bit easier to get into a deeper stretch. So it really just depends on like what your goals are, right? And I think just any time that you're able to dedicate to that is going to be great and ideal. Um, do runners need to stretch? I think that's kind of like up for debate, right? I think there's a lot of different benefits to why stretching is important and mobility is important. I think on previous episodes, we've talked about um, like, how do you want to feel when you're 70, right? How do you want to feel when you're 80? And I do think it's pretty common and there's some memes and, and people think it's really funny that runners are really inflexible and oh, like runners can't touch their toes or runners have really tight hamstrings. And while that is really common, it is a chronic thing that's happening in our bodies as runners. Some, some of us, right? We do have really tight hamstrings. We might have really tight um, you know, leg muscles. And if you're not stretching, you're losing a lot of flexibility and things are very, very tight. And that tightness kind of stays with you unless you dedicate time to work on that and become a little bit more loose, become a little bit more flexible. And so you want to think of if you're someone who's going to continue running for decades and decades, do you want to feel that stiff, that tight, that immobile, um, cause with every decade, like it's not going to get better unless you work on it. Right. So if you're feeling tight in your twenties, how are you going to feel at 35, 45, 55? And so that's something to really think about, um, when it comes to stretching and mobility, is it like critical for all runners to stretch? Um, debatable. I just think we want to think about our quality of life. If you do have really tight, leg muscles um it could be something to work on so that you can keep that mobility as you're aging and as you continue running because you don't want it to lead into problems later in your life not even just with running specifically but with things like getting up off the floor reaching down to pick something up um you don't want to be so tight that you pull something or you're more prone to an injury even outside of running. Um, and I do think as runners, we do have very, very tight glutes, hamstrings, all of those things. And working on the flexibility um, is really important. Yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it. You know, the time for the static stretching is definitely when things are really warmed up, right? And if, if you're cold, you want to get into more movement-based stretching, so dynamic stretching. So, um, you know, but I think about after a run or a workout, a lot of times maybe people want to stretch out something that is notoriously tight so maybe it's like the hips or the you know the calf or whatever and so you, you know you can do that that stretch for however many seconds um but then you have to ask yourself like you know how much benefit is it really providing you mm. i'm sure if you're consistent with it it's going to maybe help you feel a little bit better but you could also maybe get just as much benefit if you are spending the focus on doing like mobility work um or even foam rolling right because that is going to help you address like any tight spots um and maybe, a, or even like um, the, uh, what's it called? The, the, not the percussion gun, but the Theragun. Yeah, that might be a really good thing to do too. So that could be part of like your, 
your routine that you do after um, like a run. And so it could be a combination of things. I think that that's going to give you maybe a little bit more bang for your buck. Um, and I know, you know, if you're able to fit in maybe like a weekly yoga class, that could go a long way too in helping you with your overall flexibility. And, you know, when we think about the the components of general fitness, especially like back in the day when we would test and fire class, right? Mm. We would do um, the mile run, we do the muscle, the pull-ups and the push-ups and all that. You know, running does great for the cardio endurance and the muscle endurance. Not so great for the muscle strength or the flexibility. So that's about half of our general fitness. And so you need to think about, like you mentioned, as you get older, mm-hmm. what are you doing to address those areas? Because that's really gonna help you feel good. And so anything you can do to fit this stuff in, it's gonna help benefit you down the road. Definitely. And then moving on to the fourth and final question, what should my stride look like on an easy day? I feel like I'm shuffling along with terrible form. Um, but I'm thinking about lifting my knees. So we did kind of touch on this a little bit at the beginning and just going back to the whole idea of like the poses that you're seeing on social media, the reels back in the day, it was just pictures right on social media. So you'd see these like ridiculous strides of people who are just, they're like sprinting through the air. Um, and you kind of knew, okay, it's a staged photo, whatever, but now things are getting a little bit more realistic. Like we're getting video footage of people. And so you might see a video footage of someone like all out. I I see it all the time, 100% all out sprinting. And they're posting like either some like motivational thing or some tips, um, on, on the reel of them sprinting. And it's like a distance running account, right? So it's not like a sprinting account, which I would kind of understand. But yeah, it's like a distance running account that's giving like marathon tips. And so <laughs> I get it because it's very eye catchy when someone's moving that fast. It's like, wow, like it looks it looks really um, powerful, strong, all of those things. But that is not normal for what most of your runs are going to look like. So again, going back to how much of my running should be done at an easy pace, anywhere between 80 to 100% of your running should be done at an easy pace pace. Easy pace is defined as one, one minute or slower, one minute per mile or slower than your marathon pace. So think about what a marathon stride would look like. It's not super fast. Like you're not going to be all out sprinting, right? I mean, it's just like a comfortably hard pace. We're going a minute per mile or slower than that. And so a lot of my runs are actually done at three minutes per mile slower than marathon pace. So you can imagine it's it's looking quite a bit different than like what my sprinting sort of like stride would look like. I love that you use the term shuffle because that is literally exactly how I feel when I am doing an easy right. run because it it almost is a different it's a different stride. It's completely different. And so I think going into easy runs with the mindset of this is completely different than a hard workout. My stride is supposed to be different. Your stride is not supposed to be the same as if you're doing a race, if you're doing a workout. It is very relaxed. We want it to be more of a shuffle. A lot of ultra marathoners, they kind of make jokes that it's a shuffle. Um, and of course they're, they're not actually shuffling. It's just, that's how it feels when you're going at those slower paces. It's really more of a shuffle, but that's what helps build your aerobic base because we want to be working in zone two, which is a very, very low heart rate. And in order to do that, we do have to be almost at something that feels kind of like a shuffle, a jog, um, things that maybe aren't making it onto social media, right? A lot of people aren't posting 
videos of themselves going four minutes per mile slower than marathon pace and then putting motivational, you know, quotes behind it because it just, it looks a little bit different. It just kind of looks normal, average. Um, And I think I would encourage anyone who thinks that their form, because I think you quoted, this individual quoted that they have terrible form at an easy pace, I would actually probably say it it probably looks fine, right? Like, let's get a video. Let's see what it actually looks like. Um, It might just feel like, you know, to you, maybe you're judging yourself um, because it feels weird, but it's probably actually looking pretty normal. Um, I find that most people, their stride tendencies, actually you probably look better at slower paces because I find... When you're at the end of a race, you're working right. really hard. Your form starts to what they call break down. And so you start to see these weird <laughs> things come out. Like mine is like putting my arms up a little bit too high. So they're like kind of up by my sports bra line versus down a little bit lower. And maybe I'm doing a little bit more crossing on the midline when I'm doing my faster work. Um, and so I think when you're at, when I'm at the slower paces, my stride almost looks... A little, my form looks a little better is what I'm trying to say. So I think it could be an opportunity on those easy days to actually work on some form things. So you're actually slowing down enough to train your body how to, okay, this is how we run when we're relaxed. Yeah. You said a lot of good things there. And, you know, I think sometimes newer runners, maybe they, maybe if they're, let's say they start running, then they want to run a 5k or 10k and they go from running like a couple minutes at a time now they're running like three four miles at a time that that can be a really long time to be out there and it's difficult like you said to be mindful and focusing on your form so that might start with doing just doing some like dynamic drills before your run or doing really being mindful and focusing on it during like a 10 minute run for example um but yeah i think a lot of us feel that way when we go out and we run slow it just feels different especially if you put on like a different pair of shoes that maybe are a little bit heavier or you know more cushion compared to what your trainers are um and the other thing I look for with runners is their face. When I see people out in public running, mm. I can pretty much gauge how, you know, how what zone they're in, you know, based on their face. <laughs> it's kind of so interesting. True. But but do that the next time you see runners and just sort of think to yourself, oh, I wonder if they're kind of running their, their true easy zone or not. Or <laughs> does it look like it's slightly um, up-tempo for them or are they just hammering it? Like, what is it? And so... Because um, we see people running all the time Every where we time. live. We live by two yeah. major schools. So there's kids out there. There's a lot of adults. There's so good sidewalks. Um, but yeah, it would be cool to take a video of yourself running slow and then running just a little bit more up-tempo and then compare the two and see, you know, what does your form look like? And chances are they actually probably look a little bit more similar than you think. They might, and yep. I only know that because you've taken drone footage of me running and I'm like, oh, my form. I don't look as slow as I thought in that video or... My form, like that one day when you, he took a video of me doing like, what was it? I don't know. It was like 10 minute pace with a friend. And I was actually kind of surprised by what my form looked like. Cause to me, it, it just felt a lot different than what it looked like on video. But I think that's again, a testament to when you do slow down, you actually are able to run more relaxed. Exactly. And so then your form yes. sometimes is better and so yes it is kind of uncomfortable the first couple times that you try to run at a slower pace or it might feel awkward but chances are you actually look pretty good doing it um so yeah this was a really cool episode and this time of year we have a lot of people ramping up for fall races we are getting close to that time of year right like marathon training for chicago twin cities 
New York City, all of the marathons are happening now and we do actually only have a few spots left. So if you are interested in getting a free seven day trial working with a coach, we would love to get you set up with someone and get to know more around about your background and goals and get you set up with a free seven day coaching trial working with a coach. If you are interested in that, you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com. Thanks for tuning in.